love music. Live sport. The line out with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Good evening. Wednesday evening, Rocksport Radio. That means it's time for me, Lewis Stewart, to bring you this week's edition of The Lineout by the wonders of modern technology. This one is coming all the way from Japan, where I'm currently based, near the Scotland squad who are preparing for their opening game in the Rugby World Cup. The team have now moved up to Tokyo from Nagasaki where they've been for the last 10 days or so and are based themselves in the south of the city about 20 miles up the road from Yokohama where they will be playing Ireland on Sunday. Kicks off at 8.45 in the morning in the UK. A nice afternoon kickoff for us here in Japan although the weather forecasts are suggesting that the conditions are much more likely to be Scottish than Japanese wet windy and temperature rather nippy for this part of the world hovering somewhere in the upper teens maybe lower 20s which I suppose if you think about it in Scottish terms will be actually quite warm for September but they're definitely putting on extra coats in Japan to help them cope with what they see as unseasonably cold weather. Still quite enough to get the Scots out and sweating, however. Still, it's been a busy week for everybody involved in the squad, including today's breaking news that Jamie Ritchie, who broke his cheekbone playing against Georgia just before the team came out to Japan, has actually started training again with the squad. You'll remember that Ritchie came off the field in that Georgia game and was taken off to hospital for x-rays and it turned out that after that he went off to another hospital to have a metal plate inserted in his face to cover the break. He was a couple of days late joining the squad with his seat on the plane traveling out to Japan being taken by Magnus Bradbury who now leaves the team with an interesting dilemma. No longer it would appear do World Cup rules forbid them from having spare players in the country and Bradbury has yet to fly home to Scotland but at the same time he is not allowed to be with the squad he's not allowed to train with them or practice in any way with them so any work that he is doing is going to be on his own and given that he's hardly played rugby over the last few weeks after damaging his ribs in the bounce game against Edinburgh at the beginning of September possibly it might be worth actually making sure that he goes back and actually get some game time to make sure that he is match fit if he is required for any of the players in the back row which of course is a possibility given the attrition rate that you usually get at World Cups. Of course Scotland do open their account down the road in Yokohama on Sunday against number one ranked team in the world Ireland a team they know well and a team that they think they can beat and a few pundits are sneakily suggesting that they they might just be able to pull it off this time. And later in the programme, you'll hear Rob Robertson from the Daily Mail suggesting exactly that is what he thinks will happen. 
we'll find out on Sunday, of course. But in the meantime, let's get down to hearing from some of the people involved, starting with Danny Wilson, the forwards coach, who was the one who told us exactly what was happening with Richie and Bradbury before going on to talk about other matters within the camp. The first question being for an update on J.B. Ritchie's latest state of health. Jamie Ritchie will train with us today, um, so he's making progress. Uh, big question mark obviously for this weekend, but hopefully he gets through training and will be available for, if not this weekend, next weekend, next game. We've probably all seen examples in the past. I think the one um, Brad Barrett with Saracens who returned. Um, I think those type of uh, situations boys can return pretty quickly um, obviously our medical staff will tick all the boxes that he will need to tick before he's available for selection uh, now the rest is pretty straightforward boys are trained really well in good nick and all good Danny Wilson on the fitness of the squad but what does that mean for Bradbury does that mean he's on his way home already no not yet he's not part of our training party now that Jamie has come back in and there's obviously rules and regulations around that that we will be sticking to um, and then decision will be made off the back of this game on in terms of his return we're obviously very thankful to Edinburgh for understanding that um, and then he'll return to Edinburgh at the relevant time depending on how the game goes. Danny Wilson there updating us on the squad's fitness and presumably with such a clean bill of health it is a pretty upbeat squad and they must be looking forward to the game at the weekend. The boys like I said the boys have been outstanding in terms of the way they've trained um, I think their leadership as a group as well that our kind of senior players have really driven a standard in training and kept the excitement really high and boys are really looking forward to the first game um, Obviously, I kind of think it is a, a step stone to go from a training camp in Nagasaki to, to now being here in Tokyo, knowing that we're kind of in game week, so to speak. And that feeling of game week is definitely here and the excitement that goes with it. Some of the other people have talked about there being a definite step up in intensity once you leave the training camp and actually get into the city preparing for the game. Have you found that as well? Well, we arrived last night, so um, our first training session here is, is today, is this afternoon. So we'll probably start to feel that a little bit more then. Obviously, um, we've only been here a short period, um, but you know, so far so good. And, and definitely, I, I, I know the, the boys are, like I say, looking forward to getting out to training and building for the weekend. The weather forecast for the weekend is not good. Does that change your thinking in any shape or form over the course of the week? It's obviously something we're aware of. It's, it's something that we will account for, if you like. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at the same time, probably might resemble closer to a Six Nations uh, uh, weather and fixture. But, no, it, it's, it's in our minds and it's, it's something we're aware of and we'll plan accordingly. How much does it help in this world? You're playing a team like Ireland. You've had pretty much exactly the same preparation that you've had whereas in other ones you've been playing Southern Hemisphere teams coming off a rugby championship. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously a, a, um, different opposition individually and collectively our game plan will, will be dictated by. Um, 
Well, I think we're fortunate in our group that we've got a lot of boys got a huge amount of experience of playing internationally at um, those different types of opposition that we're going to face and you know what what I think we do well here and we do more and more is is making sure that we get those opinions from those guys and those views from those guys because there's some there's some great experience in the room which I've learned a huge amount from in the short time I've been here. The weather is like it's going to come down to the forwards a lot more than it would do in other games. Have you put any particular focus on that? No, like I said, you know, um, we're aware of it and, and we obviously will account for it in terms of the weather. Uh, it does it is changing a little bit day by day, so we, we, we've probably hone that in a little bit tighter when we get closer to game day in terms of the weather that we're going to get and even the adjustment you sometimes have to make on game day but all good plans um, they're there and we'll, we'll keep preparing as we are ready for like I said the excitement of the first game they're ranked number one in the world then they're a good side they're well drilled well coached and definitely they've had their ups and downs and I think in these games uh, recently like us you try things you experiment with things you don't necessarily uh, reveal your full game plan going into your first game so we're fully aware all teams I think have done that so that gives you sometimes your ups and your downs that Ireland have had that we've had that everyone's had well, I think they're one of the best teams in the world yeah and I think we've seen those performances in recent times there's no doubt about that they've had some huge wins and you know we can all list them off they've also had maybe their odd uh, result that they wouldn't be happy with but like I said they're full of quality players they're quality coaches um, so we're certainly fully aware that, that we go into the game playing against a very good team. Danny Wilson, the forwards coach, fully aware of the challenge that Ireland are going to lay down and of the difficulty that it's going to pose for Scotland to beat them, but at the same time confident that if they do actually click, then they have the weapons to cause a lot of problems. And it's worth pointing out that, in fact, if you look at the recent results, then Scotland have been pretty close in all the games, although and this is a point I know I've made before and I'm sure I will make a game the big difference between Ireland and Scotland at the moment is not necessarily the talent or the quality of their players but the ability that Ireland seem to have to find a way to win big matches when it really matters it's something that they generated first at Munster and more recently at Leinster and those players have brought that with them into the international side and at the moment you can't help feeling that possibly there is still that little bit of frailty in the Scottish psyche that when the going gets really really tough and it comes down to those white knuckle decisions that are going to make or break a game that the Irish will get it right and the Scots far too often don't. Now they have had three months in camp and a long time under Gregor Townsend. They've had a lot of coaching. They've had sports psychologists coming in to help them to deal with that sort of pressure. And, of course, they've had a lot of time together to gel into a single unit. So a lot of the test on Sunday is going to be a test of how successful or otherwise Townsend's coaching techniques will prove to have been in the heat of battle. And there are no battles that are likely to be much more fierce than that between Scotland and Ireland. It's worth, I suppose, remembering 
that the two of them have actually met in the World Cup once before, but only that once, and it was in a different era, way back in 1991 when the game was still amateur, four years off its turn to professionalism in 1995. And now here we are, 24 years down the line, looking at a completely different kettle of fish. Back in those days, Ireland were a team known for their frailty. These days, they're a team that wins the Six Nations. They've beaten the All Blacks twice, and they've beaten all the Southern Hemisphere opponents at least once in the last few years. Whereas Scotland have struggled to beat South Africa, they still haven't beaten New Zealand. And although they've had the decent record against Australia since that heartbreak in the last World Cup, that really doesn't count for as much when you look at the problems that Australia have had in that time. So there is no doubt at all that Ireland go into the game as heavy favourites. One of the other interesting statistics that I can throw at you is that in the whole history of the World Cup, since rankings were introduced in 2003, so that cuts out things like that game against Ireland in 1991, Scotland have never actually beaten a team that was ranked above them. This time they're being asked to take on a team that is not just ranked above them, but is ranked top of the world, while they're ranked 7th. A full eight and a half points behind Ireland. And just to put that in context, the way the rankings work, if there's a 10 point difference between the two sides, then if the higher ranked side wins as expected, then they gain no ranking benefit at all from it because it is seen as such a routine win. So that underscores the scale of the task that Scotland are taking on this week and the scale of the difficulty that they're going to be facing. The thing is that there are few things more competitive than an international sportsman and this Scotland team are no exception. If you try telling them that this is mission impossible they're going to just laugh straight back in your face and you will deserve it as well. Thing is they know that if they can win this game then they are in a strong position to top the pool which will give them the easier in theory draw when it comes to the semi-final. Just what that means, we're going to find out on Saturday night, the night before Scotland play Ireland, when New Zealand and South Africa clash in what is certainly one of the tastiest fixtures of the opening weekend. They are by a long way favourites to top their pool, and whoever comes first in their pool will play whoever comes second in the Scotland pool, and obviously, therefore, whoever comes second in their pool will play whoever comes first in Scotland pool. So, given the rivalry between New Zealand and South Africa, it is not 100% impossible to see a way in which Scotland beat Ireland, beat Japan, beat Samoa, top the pool, and end up playing New Zealand in the quarterfinals. And how many World Cups I have lost count where Scotland have done everything they could in the World Cup and ended up playing New Zealand and getting knocked out as soon as they got to that stage of the competition. 
that is a long long way in the future of course first of all Scotland have to actually go ahead and win their games where the players are fully aware that they're not only going to be taking on some pretty strong opponents but they're also going to be challenging themselves in what could be very difficult weather conditions now okay the forecast for Sunday when they play Ireland is that it's going to be comparatively cool and pretty wet more European conditions than Japanese conditions but that's not necessarily going to hold for the rest of the month when they play Samoa Russia and then finish off against Japan the temperatures this week have been up in the 30s and humidity has been up in the 80s or 90s and those are really tough conditions for anybody to play in I think they almost get to a state where they would rather be playing in the rain that is expected this weekend Peter Horn is one of those who has some experience of having played in that, having been one of the ones who came out to Japan with the Scotland squad three years ago. And he recognises that part of the way of dealing with it is to be supremely fit to start off with. And that is something that this squad have been working really hard at, he said including some pretty brutal sessions pretty much from the word go after arriving in Nagasaki I think the second day we got there we'd done quite a tough session, I think we arrived on the Monday Tuesday was quite chilled and then on the Wednesday we'd done a session, the first day was it was hard, I think everyone was like wow, I don't know, you know but I think that was almost more the travel, the lack of sleep and things and kind of going into sort of Friday, Saturday, Sunday we started to feel a lot better so I mean it feels almost like a summer's day in Glasgow today, you know, it's chucking down with rain, it's kind of muggy and um, yeah certainly a lot easier than Nagasaki was I think for us it'd be good if it dries up a little bit and yeah we can yeah play a bit of rugby you've heard a bit of the sort of tricks that people have been playing with some shampoo and baby oil and things like that trying to replicate the thing sweat replicate the sweat well I think going to Nagasaki was obviously in one of the reasons is obviously our great relationship with them but it obviously helped with the climate being it was a lot hotter and sweatier so that kind of prepped us for it a bit but you know the finger tape we actually stole well not stole we got that from the Japanese when we were here three years ago on tour we kind of they all wear that the finger tape on their fingers and it helps so much with a wet ball or a sweaty ball so we've kind of used that and it's funny like since we took it home three years ago I think it then started to spread you know all the boys that were in the Scotland squad that went you know Dents down at Worcester Dunkies down south now Matty Scott being at Gloucester and it's kind of starting to spread throughout England and Scotland and Sam Hidalgo went to Scarlet's. I saw some of those boys doing it. Some of the Aussies had it on. Um, so, like, I think it's something that certainly helps. Just one final thing before we leave Peter Horn to get on with his preparations. That if he plays this weekend, he will play in the centre, which is the position where Ireland have definitely been disrupted, with Robbie Henshaw dropping out after picking up a hamstring strain. They are hoping that he'll come back later in the competition, but it is incredibly unlikely, we are told from the Irish camp, that he's going to play this weekend. So does that disruption really make that much difference to a team like Ireland, who have got the likes of Bundyaki and Gary Ringrose to come into the squad in his place. 
obviously he's a great player. You know, he's such a good defender, especially. Um, he's really good going forward too. So um, it's tough, isn't it? Ring, you know, they lose one, but then Ringrose coming in, he's awesome. I mean, I've got a lot of respect for for Ringrose. He's he's such a good attacker. He's also a really smart defender. So um, uh, it's it's tough. It maybe changes the dynamic a little bit. Henshaw and Aki are both really really powerful, whereas Ringrose is really good on the outside break. He's got great feet coming back, and he's quite often involved in a lot, a lot of sort of trick plays. So um, yeah, I mean, it's a different challenge, but um, it's it's you know regardless of kind of who pulls on the jersey for Ireland, they're going to be pretty handy. Peter Horn pointing out the kind of resources that Ireland have got to call on this weekend when they will be up against Scotland. They can afford to lose a player like Robbie Henshaw because if somebody like Gary Ringrose is replacing him, then they're not really going to lose very much at all. Which is all the serious business, of course, of what they're here for, and there is nobody hiding the serious side of it, and they're taking it all very seriously. But one of the things that I do think is quite good about this squad is that they do seem a pretty relaxed and grounded bunch. And one of the ways that that appears to be manifesting itself is that there is a certain amount of humour going on, a certain amount of japery going on, a certain amount of number of practical jokes and one of the things that stood out when they were in Nagasaki was the way that the other players were engineering to get Greg Laidlaw as the centre of attention so you ended out with most of the players being ignored and crowds and crowds around young Mr Greg as they called him and the other players cheering on uh, enjoying every moment of his embarrassment it is something that uh, Stuart Hogg has kind of specialised in over the years and this was no different at all. Oh, Mr. Greg, yeah, um, yeah, Mr. Greg is uh, is a hero wherever he goes, isn't he? And uh, it's it's been great to see. Um, you know, there's been a, a lot of support for for Greg for for uh, as a Scot- uh, the Scotland team and. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's great for him. Uh, I think it's 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 a good thing. I think, um, you know, we've had a a couple of little bits of funny business as well. We've um, any time we're walking through kind of shopping malls or anything, we always shout Mr. Greg if he's five or six yards in front of us, and and everybody turns around to see him and and, and mobs him. So um, it has been uh, good fun. I think. A couple of little ones I've been a little bit disappointed with were uh, we were at the seminar at the hotel the other night and uh, somebody came up to me with a poster ready to sign saying are you Finn Russell and um, I thought I thought that was that was going to be the end of it but I said no I'm not Mr Russell and he said okay and he looked at his sheet again and uh, Willem Nell came next so um, yeah like it's uh, I, I think it must have been the haircut or something I, on, on the on the profile photo I had blonde hair so uh, look we, we've had some fun since being here uh, but we're fully aware that we're here to do a job and and that's uh, getting one uh, getting our, our, our campaign off to a great start with a win against Ireland. An interesting one to muddle up. On one hand, you have 18 stones of solid muscle, a tight head prop renowned for his scrummaging, his ability to run hard, thump people out of the way, and generally do all of the brutal bits of the game. On the other hand, you have, what, about 14 and a half stone of Stuart Hogg, who is renowned for his speed off the mark, his ability to jink through gap that nobody 
nobody else can see and of course his ability to boot the ball from one end of the field to the other I think the only time that Villanelle has ever kicked the ball it was entirely by accident and probably went entirely in the wrong direction as players they could hardly have less in common although as Hogg did point out there may actually be a proper explanation for it because in the summer if you remember he was sporting that slightly outrageous blonde hairdo somebody had been at him with the peroxide and uh, it didn't really suit him particularly well but it did make him stand out a bit and of course WP Nell is naturally that colour since then Hogg has shaved his hair pretty much off I suspect it was partly to get rid of the bleached blonde bit and he is now sporting something of a designer stubble around most of his head and face so he doesn't look much like his picture in the guides that were put out before the World Cup where the pictures were taken in his bleached blonde state so perhaps there is some sort of argument in favour but it's hard to see what it is and certainly neither of them has any ambitions to swap position. WP Nell when I told him about it laughed at the concept that he would play fullback just as much as Stuart Hogg laughed at the idea that he might want to play prop that's all part of the fun and games and as Hogg explained it has actually been a reasonably enjoyable camp so far yeah there's some characters within the squad that, that are keeping keeping us going um, you know there's bus entertainment there's joke of the day there's a fair amount of songs to be sung on the bus as well and you now look we're having a great time um, but you know everything comes on the back of working extremely hard for each other on, on the training field and, and making sure that everybody's in the, the right frame of mind and, and pulling in the same direction. In, in international rugby and test match rugby there there's no such thing as an easy game and I think if there's a, a time to take on Ireland I, I believe it's now um, you know before they get a, a head of steam almost and um, as I say, we're, we're fully aware of the challenges that they're going to bring, but as Danny touched on earlier, we're very much concentrating on ourselves and, and making sure that, that we're bringing our A game. And uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of set pace plays, a lot of counter attack opportunities. Um, defensively, we're going to have to be spot on, um, but these are exciting things for us, and uh, we believe that defence will win or win World Cups and that's something we've been working incredibly hard on since the, the middle of June when we, when we came together. Um, you know, for me, every time you get the, the opportunity to play for Scotland, there's there's no better feeling than, than winning in that jersey. And, um, you know, I, I take as much pride uh, in every single game that I play, whether that be, you know, hopefully come Sunday, my 70th cap or where it was my first cap back in 2012 every single time you get to pull on this jersey it's there's no better feeling um and i'm very much looking forward to you know hopefully being given an opportunity to to pull it again on sunday Stuart Hogg pretending that he doesn't know that he's in the team on Sunday and if there ever was an absolute shoe-in for a position in the Scotland team it is Stuart Hogg he knows it we know it but before the team is announced he has got to make that pretense that the whole thing is still up for grabs but of course Hawke has had some fairly unpleasant experiences recently playing against Irish teams. In the Six Nations he was taken out off the ball and wrecked his shoulder, putting him out for the rest of that tournament. And then when he did come back playing for Glasgow, he was taken out in the air by Rob Carney. 
with the Irish player only picking up a yellow card for what looked like a rather more serious offence, in my opinion, at least. Now, Carney is one of those who is in doubt for the game on Saturday, uh, as is Keith Earls, and as I've already said, Robbie Henshaw. Gary Ringrose, who pretty much automatically step in for Henshaw, and if the other two drop out, the mutterings in the Irish camp are that Andrew Conway and Jordan Larmer are the two who are going to take their places. But from Hogg's point of view, does that actually make a blind bit of difference, given the class of the players who are coming in? Um, now look, I think Ireland have got some incredible players, um, and the quality that you've just mentioned, if, if Can is to be out and Conway is to come in, then you know that's another world-class player that, that we've got to be fully aware of. And um, look, whatever team Ireland put out on, on Sunday, we're going to have to match it and, and, and beat it. So uh, it's exciting times for us. Um, if, if they play their best team or they play boys that haven't got as much experience, um, then it's still still an incredibly uh, huge challenge for us. Our game plan, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different parts to the puzzle and um, without giving too much away I think we're just concentrating on ourselves and, and making sure that we don't beat ourselves um, we, we don't make too many um, silly errors and, and make sure that you know we might get five or six opportunities in the game to to get some points on the board and we've got to make sure that we make the most of every single opportunity we're given. How have you found the whole experience of Japan as you come back the World Cup here? It's been very enjoyable so far, as, as I said earlier. I think you know we've had terrific um, reception from everybody. We've been welcomed with open arms. We've had a huge amount of support, um, and the boys are enjoying themselves. So for us now, we we're going to keep embracing the culture. We're going to keep enjoying ourselves, but ultimately we're here to do a job, and, and the focus is very much on that. Stuart Hogg on the focus within the squad and how they're capable of mixing the relaxation and fun with the ability to switch it on and take things seriously at the drop of a hat. But one of the things that I think that has not had enough mention is that for the first time in many, many, many years, Gregor Townsend is actually picking from a fully fit squad. No major players dropped out during the warm-ups and even the warm-ups themselves he didn't actually have any significant players missing from his squad. You look at that, it's pretty much unheard of. I mean, you look what happened at the Six Nations when there were props dropping like flies or second rows dropping like flies or back rows dropping like flies and suddenly areas of strength within the Scotland teams started to become areas of weakness simply because so many players were unavailable and here we are out in the biggest competition with a hundred percent availability and that has got to be something that is good for the rest of the squad as Hogg acknowledged. First time in a long time we've got a, a really good squad to pick from you know everybody's fighting fit everybody's um you know, gunning to get a start in Jersey and you know, the quality and the standards and training have been right up over the best I've been involved in. So, yeah, we feel we're in a good place. Um, but for us now, it's it's about making sure that we do our job on Saturday, uh, on Sunday, sorry. Um, uh, and all that kind of practice that we've done, uh, make sure it's, it comes good for us. You know, for us, year on year, we get boys that pick up injuries and... You know, it gives an opportunity for a younger guy, a guy who has less experience to come in and, um, and do a job. And I think 
that's put us in the best possible place as these boys are now pushing for places when these guys come back fit and you know a lot of people have talked about the quality that's been left out but for me look at the quality that's within this squad and it's exciting times to be a, a part of this team and um you know, here's hoping that you know everybody's worked hard, but you know I truly believe that it's going to be more than words that's that's going to be in our performances. Stuart Hogg reveling in the strength of the squad that he is part of. And now finally, before we let him go, one final thought from him. Ireland are number one in the world. Scotland, as we've already pointed out, are number seven. So if they were to beat Ireland at the weekend, would this be the biggest win of his career? It'd be a very enjoyable victory, I can I can assure you that. But for me, it's, it's, it's not about best wins I've had it's 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 about making sure that if given opportunity I do my job for the team and and making sure that we're all pulling in the same direction and and wanting to to get a good get a good start to our campaign I think if you start looking at individual accolades you're you're you're, you're in the wrong frame of mind. Stuart Hogg very much concentrating on the game coming up at his own personal performance in that now, before I go for an outbreak, just one final little thing. Uh, at the beginning of that, you remember that he was talking about being confused with Finn Russell. Finn Russell is another key member of this side, another man who could make or break Scottish fortunes. So I think it's a good time to hear from him, starting with him picking up where Hogg left off, the challenge of Ireland. Yeah, I think you know, Ireland were number one in the world, um, so they'll be, they'll be up there as one of the teams that, that should be looking to try and win it. You know, for us, every, every team's going there to try and win it, so you know, there's no point, you're not going to a World Cup for, for fun, you're going there to try and win it and do your best. Um, uh, for, for us, or for me anyway, I think we, you know, the first target is to get out of the group, and then after that it's knockout rugby like we found out last World Cup, so it could be the bounce of the ball or a referee's decision or you know, anything like that so I think first and foremost we need to go off to a good start against Ireland and then try and qualify at the group and if you manage to do that then it's, uh, it's a different game from there it's, it's like I say it's knockout rugby so you never know who you're going to get and, and how it's going to be so um, I think in, in the knockout stages pretty much any team can beat the best in the world on their day and like I say it could come back to small margins like uh, like a bounce of a ball or, or, a, or a dodgy call whatever it is so um, I, th- I think for me we need to try and push as hard as we can to get out of the group and then from there we can we can worry about the rest of it it's game by game after that so yeah. the last World Cup must have proved to you you must have proved to yourselves you said bounce the ball dodgy call all the rest of it that Australia game you could have won and you know you can beat the best in the world if you get the right bounce yeah I suppose that's a, you know a, a game that's you look back at it it's unlucky it's just that's, that's sport for you um, I think in terms of beating the best in the world we've never beaten New Zealand yet but you know, we've ran them very close a few times and I think on, a, on our day if, if it comes down to kind of bounce of a ball um, or one decision we can, we, can, we can beat the best in the world and um, you know the last New Zealand game I think they beat us by four points or, or five points maybe so that you know a few points could come down to the bounce of a ball uh, but at the same time we've got to get ourselves in the right position where it is coming down to these fine margins whether it's winning or losing against some of the best in the world Because if you're not actually in the game at the end then you stand no chance you've got to be in a position where you know that if it does come down to one small thing haven't you yeah no exactly if you're you know if, if you're slightly off then 
you're in the best in the world, you can't expect to win, you can't expect to be in the situation when there's a, a few minutes to go and it's the bounce of a ball or a penalty kick that you get. Um, so for us, we need to, you know, we've got to be at our best every game, and so does every other team in the World Cup. We're going to have to, uh, a chance to progress and qualify and move new forward. You say that you felt maybe a wee bit rusty in the first game again in the game against France. You must have felt that you sort of got rid of all the rust. Though. Yeah, I think um, it's not as good. I think again, there's still still areas I can put, I can I can get better. Um, and when, when we get into the World Cup and we're against Ireland, we'll have to all be at our best and, and be pushed even at our best, if not better, to, to have a chance of beating them. You look at the players around you, though, and you must have a fair amount of confidence in what you're capable of achieving. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, there's a lot of experience in the squad, but there's a lot of young boys coming through. You know, we've got Darcy, uh, Hasto, Blair, we've got a lot of young guys coming through um, who, who have got those sparks, as well as uh, there's a lot of us that were at the last World Cup who have got no extra four years experience so um, you know, so I, I think we've got a great mix of, of youth and experience um, as well as you know control and, and, and that flair so Finn Russell predictably enough in a buoyant mood ahead of the first game well that's it for me in the first half of this program off for an ad break I'll be back with some interesting stuff after the break imagine raw power supreme skill hand-to-hand combat and national pride. Imagine putting your body on the line for the greatest prize in world rugby. The Rugby World Cup 2019. Rock Sport Radio will bring you comprehensive coverage of this titanic battle between the world's top teams. Who will reign supreme? Will it be Northern or Southern Hemisphere? Rock Sport Radio's Lewis Stewart will be in Japan to give you the latest team news and reports from all of Scotland's games. The Rugby World Cup on Rock Sport Radio, brought to you by Motorpoint Glasgow. Convert your rugby skills into two free tickets to the Six Nations in Rome. Visit Motorpoint Glasgow today and take part in their conversion challenge. Just two minutes from Junction 3 at the M74. Do you hear that? That's your family coming round to your new house for Sunday lunch. Your son opening the door of his first home. Visitors arriving at your guest house. Friends coming over to watch the football. Scottish Building Society offer a range of mortgages, so we can turn this into this. Scottish Building Society. We've been helping people open doors since 1848. Call us today on 0345 600 4085. Scottish Building Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Have you ever lost money on an investment? If a high street bank persuaded you to buy a stocks and shares ISA, unit trust or investment bond and you lost money, Goodwin Barrett can help you get back thousands of pounds in compensation. Even if you don't have the investment anymore or the paperwork, Goodwin Barrett make it easy to find out. Text GOOD to 6677. That's GOOD to 6677. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint and if unsuccessful you can refer it free to the financial ombudsman. It's easy to put things off. I'll sort it tomorrow. It'll wait. Well, turns out if you're a man with prostate disease, the sooner you spot it, the better it can often be treated. So if your dad or brother have had prostate cancer or you're having trouble with your waterworks, do something about it. See your GP or visit prostatescotland.org.uk for more information. Prostate Scotland. Pull your finger out. 
Love music. Live sport. The Lineout with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Welcome back to part two of the line now. Now, before the break, you'll remember I was talking about the Men's World Cup and the pretty riveting stuff I thought it was as well. But I'm going to take a little bit of a break from that and I don't apologise for it because it's also an important time for the women. Next year, this time pretty much exactly, they will be attempting to qualify for their World Cup and the build-up to that starts at the weekend when they head out to South Africa on the first ever international tour by a Scotland women's international team. It looks like exciting stuff and on the line I have Phil Doyle, the new head coach of the women's side. The first time you'll have heard from him and so Philip, when you head out to South Africa, how excited are you by the potential of the side you're taking? I'm very excited uh, of what, uh, what, what this what this team can achieve because before I even took the job I was analysing Scotland and uh, I was just there's a, such a good core of players uh, that uh, I saw this, 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 this team can actually do something really special if they put their mind to it so uh, there's a great spine of experience and uh, talent going right through the middle of the, the squad and that's what we're myself and Brian Eason are, are looking to uh, build on uh, going forward and you look at that team, it was one which historically went through a very, very bleak patch. But over the last three or four years, uh, particularly after Shane Monroe took over, uh, it seems to be coming through that and out the other side. Where do you think the limit is for them? Well, I, I think um, what Shade did was, was exceptional and uh, he really did bring it to a new level. And hopefully I'm going to take it to the next level again. Uh, where this team can go, uh, it's going to take time. And uh, time is unfortunately is slightly against us with the World Cup qualifier coming up uh, this time next year. Exactly this time next year, actually. Absolutely. So, uh, our, look, our goal, our goal, and my goal, and the and Scottish, Union, Scottish rugby goal is qualify for that World Cup and nothing else. Nothing else uh, matters uh, at the moment. Yes, results matter, but uh, qualification is key, paramount to, to, to us uh, going forward. And from there, if we were lucky enough and good enough to, to, to get there, which I think we are, uh, well, then we'll start talking about other goals. But, but nothing else is on the, on the cards until World Cup qualification is, is reached. But the only way you reach the World Cup is by playing big games against big teams, which is yeah. presumably one of the reasons why this tour to South Africa is so important. Yeah, I, yeah, this tour is massively important for a number of reasons, but also our other internationals that we have against uh, Japan and Wales in, in autumn are also really important. Um, the reason being is we have to get our World Cup ranking up we don't want to be fourth in the rankings when it comes to the uh, World Cup qualifications. So hence we're playing Scott, um, hence we're playing South Africa away, uh, who are who are just above us in the world ranking, and we're hoping that we can we can pick up a, a, a minimum of a win, if not two wins, out there, and uh, improve that ranking. And also the same, we also the same. Uh, like we have 10 inter full internationals this year and we have one friendly against Ireland. Uh, the whole reason being is to get this world ranking up. 
I'll be honest, Phil, though, if you're playing Ireland with you in charge, it's not going to be that much of a friendly, is it? <laughs> no, maybe so. Um, yeah, I'm sure the Irish girls will have um, something to say about that, all right. Uh, maybe a little, uh, uh, a little bit something, the message to me, but that's their business, not mine. But uh, yeah, look, it is going to add, add a lovely bit of spice to any match we have. And we do have them first up in the Six Nations in Dublin. So that is going to add, uh, it's great uh, It's great to have that that's a little bit of added spice, uh, which will be all good and good sportsmanship. But looking just immediately ahead to South Africa, it's the first time that I can remember the Scotland women going off on a tour like this. And certainly I know from the men's side of it, tours are very, very important when it comes to bonding team spirit, getting everybody together on the same page, being able to work with people 24 hours a day if you need to. And is that presumably going to be the same with the women? Exactly. Yeah, exactly the same. Uh, this this tour is all going to be built on our whole team. It's going to be trust and trusting ourselves uh, uh, to to carry out our individual roles, but but big trust in in defence, uh, learning how to trust each other in in the patterns that we want to play in attack and defence, and obviously just just basically and getting to know each other. Me getting to know the girls, but the girls actually getting to know themselves. There are a few girls in new girls in in play, and uh, yeah, it's all it's all very exciting. The girls are, are so excited to go out there, and uh, yeah, want to tour because they've never toured before, and, and just spending that time together is going to be so important when it comes down to when it comes down to the World Cup qualifying occasions again. That we're going to, it's going to be very intense uh, periods of time over over a month. Uh, in September next year and so having that experience of living together eating and breathing rugby is going to be absolutely key so hopefully we'll have all that experience in the bank when we get around to it and finally Phil before I let you go obviously you had a very successful time with Ireland taking them right up the world rankings do you see the possibility of achieving the same sort of surge up the rankings with Scotland Honestly, hand on heart, I can, yeah, definitely. Because what Scottish rugby are, are doing, have, and are doing right now, of all these, uh, the backing they're giving us is, is just phenomenal. Something that I never had in Ireland uh, regarding, you know, 10 full internationals this year, a tour to South Africa included, and all what's going on in behind the scenes regarding coaching, 18s, 20s, like the list could go on and on. Uh, for what we have, and as I said at the very start of the interview, the, the spine that we have, I don't see why we can't do something similar. Uh, it, again, it may take a little bit of time. Uh, you won't see it possibly this year, but uh, hopefully this, year, this time next year we'll qualify for that World Cup and, um, and we can definitely do something, 100%. I, I, I can see it's very, very similar in some ways uh, from what I've, got, I've gone through before. So I won't say it's all... I've done it all before. There are new parts to this that are that I'm getting used to here and there uh, regarding systems and, and, and working with the Scottish Union. But uh, it's all going very well. Brilliant. Well, best of luck in South Africa. I hope it goes really well for you. And hopefully I'll catch up with you sometime in the autumn. No, please, yeah, look forward, really look forward to it. 
Philip Doyle, the women's coach. Now, you may have guessed from the accent that he was formerly the women's coach over in Ireland and did magnificent things with them. So Scots are very much hoping that he can repeat that in the navy blue, what he achieved in green. Now back to the Men's World Cup and earlier today I caught up with Rob Robertson from the Daily Mail from a chat about what's going on around us in Tokyo. We started off talking about how much we're enjoying the whole experience of being out here in Japan. It's not quite taken off for me yet. Um, sumo is still on the back page of every newspaper, probably because the, the World Cup hasn't actually started. So at the weekend I think things will change change drastically. We've arrived, Lewis, in a, a very Scottish conditions, it's pouring rain outside as we speak, um, which in a way is no bad thing for Scotland during a World Cup we're used to this sort of weather, so I think once the World Cup starts on Friday evening with Japan v Russia and after that it all will kick in from there and Scotland obviously you and I will be against Ireland and Yokohama on Sunday as from our point of view, when it really kicks off. But it's an exciting time to come to Japan, an exciting environment to be in. It's so different from anything we experience in Europe. The culture, the way people behave, the sort of signage and everything else around you is totally different to anything that you'll ever get to see any other part of the world. It's, it's overwhelming. Initially, it can be very overwhelming. What I've found in Japan are the people have been magnificent, very helpful for Scotsmen who look lost in undergrounds and things like that. They've been fantastic. Um, there's not much dispensation, quite rightly, given for English speaking here because we're in Japan. Why should there be? Um, but the people have been fantastic. They've embraced the World Cup, and I, I, I can really, I can see from their eyes and the way that they, they try to communicate with me that they're delighted to have us in the country. They're proud to be hosting this World Cup. And it is a big breakthrough for them. It's something that's important from their point of view because they've been playing rugby for almost as long as we have. In fact, longer, I think, than we have. I think the first game here was back in 1866. So they, they are a traditional rugby country, but they're not one of the big traditional rugby countries. No, uh, during the uh, the official launch of the World Cup, which, that, which was on yesterday, that point was, was actually made to Brett Gosper, who's the CEO of World Rugby, why there isn't more countries from Asia pushing forward uh, into the world stage, particularly for some reason, I don't know enough background to uh, Hong Kong, which apparently has a good rugby base as well, and they did mention Japan, and they were hoping they would kick on from, from, from this year, but the in that room there was a bit of a, a concern that maybe the Rugby World Cup in some quarters, certainly not in all quarters was being used as a dry run for the Olympics that come to Tokyo next year, just to make, in terms of logistics and things like that so really there was a concern that maybe the Japanese people will love it where will be the legacy? That's the question that was asked of Brett Gosper yesterday and he was making clear that he hopes there will be a legacy because of the fact that most of the stadiums have sold out and the whole World Cup ethos has taken over Japan. The game that's coming up though of course is that Ireland game which a team that we know well and again one where we have got recent comparisons but uh, we played them what six seven months ago uh, lost to them is that an omen? I don't think it is. I mean, Scotland-Ireland games, aren't, they're always usually pretty close. And you could argue, well, I'd like to argue, that Johnny Sexton has maybe gone backwards and Finn Russell has gone forwards. And that is a key battle. I like to think that Finn Russell can win. It full back their concerns over Carney, Keith Earls' concerns over him as well. Whereas, as far as I know, Scotland's got a clean bill of health. So when you put it in that context, it does make you think, well, 
I think we're in a very good place going into this game. You can't argue with that. We've got to get the brutality right though up front to get that Irish pack and quieten them down and stop them rampaging in the way that they can do. I mean if the likes of CJ Stander and uh, Jamie Ryan and people like that get going it's going to be a difficult afternoon. I, I mean, I don't know what you think, but I'm trying to work out my own mind, and I don't have an answer to this. The, what the Scottish back row was, because getting that blend right is vital uh, for Scotland. I think front row, we've just spoken to Alan Dell and WP Nell, and the front row with Stuart McAnally, that, that's a no brainer, that's going to start, and that's a huge, brilliant front row for me. Second row, do you go Toulis and, and Gilchrist? Do you bring Johnny Gray in there? But it's a back row, as you were suggesting about the physicality that we have to get right. I mean, does Blade, Blade Thompson start at eight? Maybe Hamish Watson will also obviously start at seven. Would you start Jamie Ritchie if you, at six if he was fit? I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. There's a lot of combinations that, that Craig Townsend has to get right. So Scotland has that physicality that you mentioned to take on Ireland. My betting is Watson Thompson and Barkley with Wilson yeah. on the bench. Yeah, I think you're probably not far off that. I think that's probably, yeah, I hope so. And I hope Thompson, my slight concern is Thompson. I mean, he's, he's a great player on reputation. But he's hardly played for Scotland and he's hardly played over the last year. We're putting a lot of faith in a man who hasn't done much. Uh, and I'd like to think he can come through. But I do have that slightly nagging doubt. Would they start him? Is it a risk starting him? Would you start Wilson and put back a Thompson on the bench just for that very reason? Has Thompson gotten him to start again? And Ryan Wilson gives you that bit of aggravation into the opposition and brings that physicality that you talked about that, that's vital for Scotland. Very similar to Josh Strauss at the last uh, World Cup when he came in without having uh, had yeah. played at all because he only qualified the day after the World Cup started. Uh, but he then became a centrepiece of that squad. <coughs> the key, though, I, I would argue, Lewis, is that Josh Strauss was fighting fit and ready to go, whereas... Played Thompson only came back at the end of the season, went off with concussion for Scotland, hasn't played much much over the, the whole last year. Part of me is thinking maybe would you put Wilson in to start in his place just for that very reason. Um, I really haven't seen enough of Blade Thompson. I don't think there really has to say this man's going to make a big a big difference for Scotland. I'd like to think he has, or on based on on based on past reputation, you'd say yes. But it is past reputation. Wilson is a, a player that brings you go forward ball, a bit of grunt, and gets in the face of the opposition. Indeed. So, what's your prediction for the game? Oh dear, Lewis. I wish you hadn't asked that. <laughs> I, I, I'm usually fairly straightforward when it comes to predictions. I can usually work out my own mind, but. My concern is, my heart says Scotland, I'm going Scotland, my, my heart says Scotland, my head is starting to say Scotland as well, they've got, uh, Ireland have a few injuries, is this team past their best, I, hope they, I love Rory best to bits, I hope they play him because he's throwing his rubbish, uh, so you put all that together and I really do think that Yes, I'm going with Scotland, Lewis. Why not? <laughs> and how important is it, though, this weekend where you get the Japan presumably hammering Russia on Friday, but you get some big games coming up over the rest of the weekend? Do you think that was where the World Cup really starts to kick yeah. off oh, yeah. and people really begin to kick in behind it? Yeah, as I was saying just now, if you look at the papers, it's sumo, sumo and sumo that's on the, on the back pages. That is when it starts, really. It'll kick in from this Friday and over this weekend. Then it will really take off for people. That's when it's going to happen. And you need big games, you need close games, you need exciting games you know, to get people into the spirit of the whole thing and yeah. get it up and running. Exactly. You, you, you desperately need that. You need that. You need excitement. And again, the fact that Japan's starting the tournament on Friday night, that will kickstart everything. But as you suggested earlier as we chatted, 
Japan has to qualify for the quarterfinals to keep interest alive in this country. And as you said, that would be at Scotland's expense, which you and I do not want. That was Rob Robertson from the Daily Mail. And I'm afraid, yet again, the clock has beaten us. That's it from me, the first ever line-out from Japan. There will be more over the coming weeks. Look forward to bringing them to you. Good night. Love music, live sport. The Line Out with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio.